Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you're strong and you're big, but you're also loving. And God, we worship you today, not just because you're strong, but because you're so loving. You sent your son to come die on the cross for our sins. God, you came back to life. And when you came back to life, you purchased our freedom and our forgiveness. You adopted us and you made us sons and daughters and we didn't deserve it. God, you are definitely worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And God, as we look at you more in your word today, I pray you would meet us here. I pray your spirit would work in our hearts that we would have ears to hear what you would say to us through your word. And God, I pray you would help me teach. <laughs> God, would you help me to actually teach your word faithfully and true in a way that lifts you up and exalts you so that we can see clearly how awesome you are. And I pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, we're going to be continuing our series on prayer. Um, listen, I, every time I start to talk about prayer, the one thing stands out to me almost right away. Prayer shouldn't be this hard, right? I, I just, I, I want to say that it, it doesn't seem like prayer should be this complicated or this tricky or this hard. I mean, it, when I talk about it, it seems like, listen, we're just talking to God. This should be simple, right? But, but somehow it, it never quite feels simple. That, like it feels simple to talk about, but in practice, when we actually go to pray, man, somehow things just get really messed up. W would y'all agree with me on that one? Or, all right, yes. I, I feel like it gets messed up. It gets hard. It gets boring. I'm allowed to say prayer is boring at church on a Sunday, but it does. I know you're thinking it. You can pretend like you aren't, but sometimes it gets boring. Sometimes we're not sure. Am I playing some kind of imaginary game right now? Like it, it, it just feels like it's a weird thing for us to be struggling with, it's especially for us in the church who we believe God is real. We believe Jesus gives us access to God. We, we believe we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Prayer should not be a hard thing. Right? But, but man, we, we get it messed up really quick. I can't, even as I'm thinking about that, I, I feel a little relief, and let me tell you why. Um, I feel relief because I believe the disciples had the same exact struggle. Like, I mean, they were literally walking with Jesus, and they're hearing him pray. And I, I can't help but sit there and think about the fact that on the last night that he was with them in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, listen, this is serious. I got to pray. And what do all those dudes do after three years of prayer training with Jesus? They sleep, right? They nap. Like, dude, that guy wants to pray again. Oh, fine. He's Jesus. We'll do what he says. We go to the garden and then it's snooze fest over there. Three different times he has to wake them up and say, seriously, guys, remember that whole you love me, you're with me to the end thing? You can't even pray, right? Y'all remember that talk? Like, so I got to be honest, I feel a little better that people like Peter, James, and John uh, Thomas, I, whatever, he can, he, he's a doubter, whatever. I get why he didn't pray. But Peter, James, and John messed it up, man. They were falling asleep in prayer. So, so I've got this little bit of relief that's just sitting there saying, all right, I, it's okay for it to be hard. Even Peter, James, and John with Jesus physically in front of them were messing up prayer. All right, they were just missing it. Let, let me show you a passage, Luke chapter 11. Because as I went down that path in my head, I started thinking about 
what it was like to hear Jesus pray. They didn't always mess up. Like the disciples were not 100% moron. They were just 75% moron, like, like many of us. In Luke chapter 11, let me uh, read verse one to you. Look at this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. So I'm, I'm imagining they're around, they're praying with him. And, and when he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Like, now listen, this is that moment. This makes sense to me. Like, and you should know this. This is the only example we have in all of the gospels where the disciples were saying, hey, Jesus, can you, can you teach me how to do this? They didn't ask him to teach them how to heal people. They didn't ask him to teach him, them how to cast out demons. They didn't ask him, hey, can you teach me to walk on water? That was a really cool thing. Can you teach me that? They didn't ask any of that. The one thing that they asked Jesus to teach them how to do, not even how to teach. They said, can you teach us how to pray? So like there's this moment like, oh man, like Jesus always prays. They just ask him, teach us to pray. What is the phenomenal truth bomb that he's going to drop on them about prayer that's going to unlock all of it for them? He does this in verse two. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, this should sound familiar to you, right? Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Y'all know this one, right? You probably know it an older way. Our Father who art in heaven. Y'all want to say that with me? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. Oh man, I better not mess this up as I'm going down this path. You know, yada, yada, yada. It goes to the end there. Um, I'm not supposed to yada, yada, yada prayer. That was, uh, that was yada, yada somewhere in the gospel of, <clears throat> anyways. Uh, I'm supposed to be in Matthew chapter six, but here's what I want you to see. Here's what's confusing to me. What Jesus does here, when they say, teach us how to pray, he gives them the Lord's prayer. Like he gives them this, this paragraph where if I'm honest, I'm like, wait, wait. So uh, are you saying that what I'm supposed to do is memorize that prayer and just say that prayer over and over and over again? Like, is that what Jesus did? He had like four or five prayers in the pocket. And he would just pull them out and say, let me just go over this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Like, is that what he did? He just said that on repeat. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what he's doing there. I mean, he just said in Matthew chapter six, remember that a couple weeks ago where he said, don't heap up empty phrases when you're praying. Don't just say the same thing over and over and over again without meaning. He, he wasn't saying, hey, I've got this rote prayer that if you will just pray this every single time, boom, money ball. Why did he give them the Lord's prayer? I, I think he set up this model prayer. It, it's not formulaic. He gave us something to chew on and to meditate on. He gave us ways that we can pray. And each one of these lines in the Lord's Prayer, there's this truth about ways we can talk to God, ways we can approach him, things we should be thinking as we come to him. And, and, and right out of the gate, that's, I think that's what he's doing. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. That's where we've been. Um, that's a longer Lord's Prayer that we're going to be going through. And we're going to be doing that for the next couple weeks. We're going to be going through line by line by line with, with this in mind that it's not supposed to be an empty formulaic prayer that we're supposed to do. It's, it's a model. It's an example. It, 
Some people might use it as an outline, whatever works for you. But I want you to see all the different ways of thinking that Jesus is packing into this. So in Matthew chapter six, let me show you what he says here. He does this great thing. Verse nine, he says this. It's a, it's a real similar thing, just like in Luke chapter 11. Pray then like this. I just read those first things. Our father in heaven. You, so you pray to him saying, listen, you're my father. We did this last week. Like you, you're your dad, you're Abba, you're my father, but you're in heaven. So you're God. And then he makes this statement right here. His very first like request, hallowed be your name. Now, I, I know you're used to that word. Like, I know that you've heard this prayer five million times by the fact that the only question I've ever gotten 90% response from for you was to quote the Lord's Prayer. And everybody sticks the landing on hallowed be your name. I don't even know if it's supposed to be hallowed or hallowed or whatever it's supposed to be, but hallowed be your name. Like, we know that word, but we never use that word. Like, I, I would doubt that anyone this week in any kind of conversation used hallowed in a normal part of their, their thing. This is, like, listen, that's, that thing is so hallowed to me. You don't say that. We don't use that. So I want to make sure we know exactly what, he's mean, what he means here. I don't want us to just assume that we know what hallowed be your name means. The word hallowed means this. It means that something is to be revered or to considered holy. In other words, I, God, I want... Let your name be considered holy. Let you and your reputation and who you are be considered holy. Now, even holy is another word that I don't know that we know what it means. But to be holy, that idea there is to, means to be set apart, to be sanctified. Uh, the best example I can give for you is that my toothbrush, from my perspective, is something that is set apart for one use and one use only to clean my teeth. From that perspective, my toothbrush is holy. And you will really upset me if you use my toothbrush for anything else, right? Like you don't use it for cleaning the sink, grout, unless I'm done with that toothbrush. But if that thing's going back in my mouth, it doesn't enter the toilet or anything else. It doesn't even enter someone else's mouth, right? All the married people, if you've had that premarital counseling conversation, if you forget your toothbrush, do you use your spouse's? No, never. It's your toothbrush. It's holy. For those of you who are unholy, that's gross. Don't do that. I don't, what world are we living in where people share toothbrushes? Anyways, listen, a, a toothbrush is set apart for my mouth and that one use of brushing my teeth. That is it. You use it for something else, I'm getting a new one because it's supposed to be set apart. It's sanctified. It's holy. Now, now when we talk about God being holy, he, he's better than a toothbrush, right? He's bigger than that and more significant than that, but, but he's not any less set apart and unique than that. He's way more holy than your toothbrush. Uh, hopefully the kids understand what I'm saying today. When we talk about God's holiness, we normally refer to God's holiness, that his name being hallowed or holy, in two different ways. Number one, his greatness. When we talk about God being holy, we talk about his greatness, his, his hugeness, his giganticness, more words I'm making up, his majestic, his majesty, not majesticness, sorry, caught myself there. His majesty, his just the fact that he's creator and we are not. When you consider God as holy, one of the things you're thinking about is, listen, man, he's like big 
And he holds the entire universe together without breaking a sweat. Like he's got everything in control and he's strong and he sees everything. He is totally different than me. Like I, I am not creator. I'm created. I'm, I'm not all powerful. I got that back thing, right? I'm the opposite. I'm weak. I don't know everything. I don't even know a little bit of everything. I know hardly anything. I don't see anything at all. I don't have anything in control. I can't even guarantee that my heart keeps beating. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow or tonight. And I'm, I'm the opposite of creator. <laughs> I'm created. And so when we talk about God being holy, like he's, he's big. And he's huge and he's gigantic and he's, quite frankly, a little bit scary. You, you don't come into the presence of something that big without some type of knots in your stomach or you're insane, right? Like you put me in the presence of a grizzly bear, just no glass in between us, just out in the wild, nothing to protect me, even if he doesn't feel like having a little Arab snack in that moment. He's bigger than I am, right? He's big. Like he's bigger than I am. He may want to eat me. If he just wants to sniff and walk away, great. But I promise you, if I'm in the presence of a grizzly bear who's bigger than me and stronger than me and faster than me, I'm a little scared. And God is way bigger than a grizzly bear. Um, listen, but, but there's more. Let me tell you what else. It's not just his greatness. It's his purity. Like his holiness is just not about how big and strong and massive he is. His holiness is also about how clean and pure and sinless. Like he doesn't have bad thoughts. He doesn't have evil thoughts. He doesn't do wicked things. He never has mixed motives. Like everything that he does is perfectly and completely right and pure. It's holy. There is no sin in him and there is no sin around him. None. It is not something that can be in his presence. So if him being bigger than a grizzly bear makes me nervous, dude, him being pure and sinless, I got to be honest, that makes me even more nervous. It's one thing to be in the presence of something that's huge. It's a totally different thing to be in the presence of someone who I'm not worthy to be around. You ever had that moment with someone? You ever been around someone that was really awesome and really clean and really good and all you could think about was how you were not that? Like, man, they're so clean. I know what I did last week. I can't be around this person. It makes me feel, oh, what if they knew? And we're talking about God who actually knows and sees and sees it better than I do. Man, He's holy. Listen, it's really important for us to remember that God is holy. He is supremely holy. Let me read a few verses for you to kind of highlight that. Exodus chapter 15, 
Verse 11, Moses writes this song about God. This is right after, the, if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, this is right after they've had the 10 plagues and the, the, the Red Sea is parted and they walk through and then it comes down on Pharaoh's army. And, and Moses writes this, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Right? Like he, he sees God do all these things and he thinks about all those gods in Egypt and he's like, dude, God is like, who's like him? Like he's not just a little holy, he's majestic in holiness. He's big and he's huge and he's strong. He does awesome things. Or, or think about this one in Isaiah chapter six. Here's Isaiah and he's getting to come before God. He says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, that's God. He's sitting upon a throne. He's high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Like, listen, he's saying, listen, King Uzziah died and I had this thing where I saw God on the throne and it was, it was high, it was lifted. It was just amazing and it was glorious. And he has this long robe and it fills the temple. He's just so amazing. Verse two, and above him stood seraphim. I don't know what a seraphim is. I've never seen one, but it's some kind of crazy angel. And it had six wings. And with two, he covered his, his face. And with two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. This is crazy, dude. You got this crazy, awesome thing. Got six wings. It's covering its eyes, covering its feet. And it's, it's, it's in the presence of God all the time. And here's what this seraphim is saying. Verse three, they're, they're calling to one another. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Man, listen, if you can't figure it out, when Jesus prays, hallowed be your name, that's a big deal. That's, that's massive it, it's so massive that even these angels, as they're up there seeing him, who by themselves would, would blow our brain if they showed up in this room. Like they're in the presence of God and they're just, all they can say on repeat is holy, 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 over and over and over again. He's just holy. He's so holy. And the other angel's going, you're right. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And they never get tired of saying it. Do you know why? Because he's so holy that the whole time when they see him, they can't help but keep saying it over and over and over again. It's not they're wired to repeat the same thing like a psychopath over and over and over again. They're in the presence of something so amazing that they can't help but praise him all the time. Listen, church, we, we need to remember this. When, when we go to pray to God, we are coming into the presence of a huge and mighty and pure, almighty creator and sustainer God. He's holy. You got to remember that. You, you, you don't forget that when you're dealing with him. You remember as you're coming into his presence, God, you're holy. So when Jesus said, hallowed be your name, the thing that he's saying is you are holy. Like you're coming in as worship. One of the things we do when we go to pray to God is we just tell him how amazing he is. 
He's holy, he's pure, he's clean, he's big, he's strong. Like even when our hearts start to doubt it, we're praying and saying, God, this is what I believe about you. You're holy, man, you're holy. I want my heart to see you as holy. When my heart feels cold and dull, I'm saying, God, I want your name to be hallowed in me. Help me to see your holiness and believe it. God, you're holy. You also don't want to forget one other thing. Don't forget what the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 said. It, It didn't just say, hallowed be your name. Remember that very first part of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven. Like, listen, this is... This is good news. Uh, It's not just that he's this holy, terrifying God that every time you show up, you've got to be groveling. He's also your dad. We need both of these truths together in prayer. If you just treat him like your buddy and your pal, you can just walk in whenever and say, what's up, man? Kicking my feet on on the desk. Hope you're doing good. I got a few things I need you to work on today. Listen, That's not how you talk to a holy God. But if you feel like you can't even go in there, you you can't be around him, like it's too scary, I just don't even want to bother. That's not how you talk to your dad. He is both really, really holy and he's really, really your dad. He's both Your father in heaven is huge and strong and clean. And you can talk to him because of the work of Jesus. He's not playing a shell game saying, I'm just going to ignore who Fias is when he comes in. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, listen, Jesus, my son did a work and I'm going to see Fias for exactly who he is. My son, who's really clean really covered in the blood of Jesus, really has a new heart, really has the Holy Spirit, and I want that dude in my presence. Come on, man, let's talk. Let me show you a couple verses for that because you got to know that. You can't, you can't just kick the door down and be like, what's up, man? But, but you're not so afraid you can't go talk to him because he's your dad. Let me show you a couple verses that tell us how we get there. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, we have a high priest, he's holy, but he, did, he understands it because of Jesus. He experienced it. It says this, verse 16, let us done with confidence not arrogance and brashness, but confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, because of the work of Jesus, that gives us confidence to go talk to him as our dad anytime we want. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. You know what it says there? We have confidence to enter the holy places, the most sacred places, into the presence of the Holy One. Why? By the blood of Jesus. Not by your performance. Not by your religious actions. Not by being good for several weeks. Not by the size of your offerings or the number of times you go to church, not by being a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, we get to come into his presence by the blood of Jesus. It's an all access pass. 
And I, that, that's good news to me. Like if he's really holy and he's really big, then I really need a whole lot of help to be able to go into that dude's presence. And the Bible says Jesus gives me that access. That, that's good news. So, so what do I want us to know about prayer based on, on these verses? Because I've got somewhere I want to take us, but I want you to think through this. Here's what that means. Listen, as I'm thinking through this prayer request, God, hallowed be your name. Thinking about who I'm coming in the presence of. Here's one of the struggles that I think we can have. We need to remember that the holy God is your father because of the work of Jesus. So here's what that means. Listen, when you need your dad, you can go to him anytime without hesitation, without pausing. You run to your dad like a little kid with a scraped knee. You know what I'm talking about? Like, listen, if I'm in a meeting up in my office, you just need to know this. And I'm sure every dad in this room is like this. If I'm in a meeting in my office and my little dude scrapes his knee outside the office, I don't know, he's not supervised, just go with me on the illustration, okay? And let's just say I'm meeting with someone important. I don't know who, just pretend they're important. Important people don't meet with me, but just assume it's like someone in Congress or something like that, right? Like, hey, I want to meet with Fiaz. Okay, you're a lunatic, but come on. So I'm in this super important meeting that has ramifications for the whole city of Tallahassee and Xander scrapes his knee and comes running in. Listen, I'm his dad. And if he does this, and he's crying and he can't talk and can't tell me what's wrong. He just knows he needs me. That meeting is going on pause. Right? Like now if he just wants a, a, some juice, I'm like, listen, don't be selfish. I need you to a meeting with the king. Like you get over there. No, but it's serious. It's right. Like if he has a real need and he really needs me as his dad and he's hurting and he's wounded, he doesn't care who's in that room and I don't care who's in that room. I'm his dad and my son needs me. Right? I, every, every dad is like that. Yeah, I'm going to help my son. I'm going to kiss the boo-boo or whatever he needs in that moment to calm him down and move him on. And then we can get back to whatever we got to do. But listen, this is amazing. God is like it. He's saying he's your dad like that. Now, here's my problem. My problem in prayer is not when I scrape my spiritual knee. Right? And anybody here say, you know what? when I'm about to lose my job or when everything feels like it's crashing down or when coronavirus is knocking at the door, do you have a problem praying then? It just, it just pops out. Dad, I need you, right? It just, it, it happens. You're going to, I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, oh no, that, that cancer, died. I don't know what to do. That health issue, God, I need help right now. Like we have no problem praying to him like our dad when things are tough. You know when it's hard? Day in and day out. When things are going all right, or when things are going busy, or when things are going great, I, I don't have a hard time praying in the crisis. I have a hard time praying day in and day out in the regular things of life. And so here's what I think this means for us. If you're like me, you don't just stick your head and blaze a trail in. You, you often need to take a moment and just pause and remind yourself, who are you about to talk to? I'm about to talk to God. How do I get to talk to him? Because Jesus gave me access to him. Like, listen, my heart is fickle. And I have to remind my heart and tell my heart 
who I'm talking to and how I get access. That, that's called walking by faith. It's, it's taking a moment to hit pause, maybe feed, remind myself through the word, this is how I approach him because he's holy and I need to remind my heart so that I can engage my father in heaven who's also holy. I don't automatically do that. I need to pause. And if the way you pray is just you kick the door down, walk in, rattle off your list and then storm out, you're not interacting with him like your father or like he's holy. Does that make sense? But if he's hot, if he's holy and he's my father, I pause, I remind myself because I can't see it. I remind myself either things in the word or I'm just preaching to myself that he's this and then I go and talk to him. That's, that's a huge difference. I approach him like he's holy and like he's my dad. Listen, I think there's also something else. Not just do I approach him like that. I need to spend time praising him for being holy. Listen, our, our interactions with God are not supposed to be the same. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this meal. Oh, wait, we're in church. I was not supposed to say thank you for this meal. It's just what I say every time, right? You know what I'm talking about? You ever had that experience? You ever been in church and the pastor got up to pray and he stumbled and said, thank you for this meal, right? Which I can say that hasn't come close to happen to me sometimes. Like, listen, I, I don't just in and out, like there's this, this thing for me where sometimes prayer is I go to the word, I see something amazing about him or I see something amazing in creation. So I spend time praising him in prayer. Worship is not just songs that we sing. Worship happens in your prayer time with your father in heaven. So sometimes prayer is that you pause, you prep yourself, but sometimes prayer is worship. Listen, I think there's something else that happens in prayer. When he says, hallowed be your name, you know what else he's saying? He's not just saying, hey, you're holy. Hey, I want my heart to, to get this. He's also saying, I want everyone around me to recognize that you're holy. He's saying, God, I want you to be considered holy by every man, woman, and child that's around me. I want every man, woman, and child in Tallahassee to have an encounter with you and them to recognize you as holy. I want every man, woman, and child in every nation, across the world, in every tribe, every tongue, every language, I want every single one of them to see you and meet you and know that you're Father and you're holy. It's a desire for him to be known and worshipped by everyone. So part of prayer is not just, God, I'm coming to you with my list. It's, God, you're holy and you're great. And I want other people to know this. So, God, I'm going I'm to pray for my neighbors. God, I'm saying, I want them to meet you. And I'm going to pray for my family members. God, I, I want them to meet you. I'm going to pray for my kids and my wife. I don't want them just to meet you. I want them to know you more and more and more. It means we pray for our people in our small group and in our church, not just for them to get better in the hospital. We pray for one another, for our hearts to burn for him, to recognize him as holy and awesome and recognize him as father where he's loving and gentle and patient. Listen, we pray for our friends who are overseas laboring to make the gospel known. God, help them to remember how holy you are. And I pray for the people they're reaching that they would see you as holy. Listen, this is a prayer for people to meet and know and see God for exactly who he is. This is a prayer for people to get saved and recognize God as holy. Man, that, there's a whole lot to pray on right there, right? You, 
You worship him for who he is. You pray for your heart that you would recognize him as holy. You, you pray for other people. Like when I say, hallowed be thy name, that, those few words say a lot. So here's what I want to do. I want to give us a little lab session right now. All right. Um, so I'm asking this question, how can I help us see him as holy? I kept chewing on this. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a moment. This is a little bit different. I need you to stay with me on this one, okay? So I need you to engage with your heart and with your mind. I'm going to read some passages that I think portray God and Jesus as holy. And, and here's your job, okay? The job is not to fall asleep, although you might. That's what Peter, James, and John did. But if you do, get back up on that horse and try again. The, the, the job for you is to see who he's telling us that he is. And as you hear it, I want you there in your seat just to praise him as holy. When you see something that amazes you in the word, right there, you just praise him as holy. Listen, if you see something and the thing that happens, you're seeing his holiness in this, these verses that I read it, pray for your wife and your kids to see him as holy. Pray for your unsafe friends and coworkers. Pray for them to see him as holy. As I'm reading these passages, I want your heart to be in awe of him. And right there in your seat, I want you to pray for him to be holy. Okay? Are y'all okay with that? Is that clear? Now some of you are like, wait, are we about to stand up and get crazy? Listen, uh, you can pray quietly in your seat. Does that sound good in your heart? Are you going to be good with that? That way no one feels uncomfortable here, I guess, is what I'm trying to do. But here's what we're doing. We're going to the book of Revelation. All right? Uh, now, if there's ever a book that, that Baptists love, it's the book of Revelation, especially when there's a coronavirus bouncing around there. But, but I want you to read about this picture in heaven. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Listen, worship him while I read this. At once I was in the spirit, this is John, and, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on it. There was this throne and there was someone sitting on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. I mean, that's just crazy bright and crazy colorful. So John's in heaven and he sees a throne and someone sitting on it. And these, these colors and this just amazing and just bright and shiny. Verse 4. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders. They were clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Can, can you see this? This holy God, he's on this throne and it's bright it's shining and he's surrounded by all these people who are king-like elders and there's lightning and thunder. It's loud. And it's, it's like shocking. And there's this whatever sea of glass in front of him. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. You should remember these from Isaiah 6. They're full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. The fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. I mean, they're crazy. 
Verse 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And night and day, they never cease to say. Listen, they got eyes, lots of eyes. And no matter which way they turn, they see the throne. So endlessly, they are saying of the one sitting on the throne, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Those are saying it over and over and over and over and over again. He's holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord God Almighty. He was and he is and he is to come. He will always be. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, whenever they give praise to him, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They take their crowns and they throw them before the throne and they say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Listen, heaven is this entire scene of these creatures constantly worshiping and when people hear these creatures worship and they see this God, they worship even the mightiest with these crowns. Like, listen, I don't know what's going on here, but I know this. He's worthy. I don't need this crown. He, he needs this crown. You're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. You are because you made everything. It's just nonstop happening in heaven. But the picture of his greatness isn't done there. Stay with me. Let's look at that next chapter. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll went within and on the back seal with seven seals. He's like, listen, there's a scroll. He's got the scroll it's written on front and back. And whatever this scroll is, it looks like it's the key to fixing everything that's wrong in the world. He's going to everything that's broken, everyone that's without hope, all the wickedness and evil. This scroll is the thing that fixes it all. And that one sitting on the throne's got that scroll in his hand. Verse two, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Who's going to, who's going to make everything right? Who's going to fix it? Who's worthy? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look on it. Listen, all the kings, the greatest ones who have ever gone on before, David and Solomon, like the greatest kings that have ever ruled the earth, not worthy. The wisest men and women, the most loving men and women, none of them are worthy to make everything right. So how are we going to fix this? Verse four, and I began to weep loudly because there was no one found that was worthy. Verse five, then one of the elders said to me, weep no more, stop crying. Behold, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and it's seven seals. Look, don't cry anymore. There's Jesus. Dude, he's got this. He won. And he's the only one that's worthy to open that scroll. 
and the response of everyone in heaven. Verse 6, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. This is Jesus. And he's just holding a harp and golden bowls, which are the prayer and full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They've been singing this song for all of eternity. But when Jesus takes the scroll and is ready to make everything right, they break out into a whole nother song. And that song says this, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Like, like that happens and immediately there's worship to God about a new song about Jesus who's worthy because he died on the cross for our sins and came back to life. And he's not just for one people, he's for all people. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of, there was a ton of angels and they're saying with a loud verse, voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Listen, it's spreading. His name is being hallowed. Verse 13. So it's just not just the elders. It's all the angels. And now it's, I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You want to know what hallowed be your name looks like? It looks like that. Church, here's what I want for you. I want you to be in awe of Jesus. I want you to be amazed by his grace and his mercy and patience with you and I. I want you to be in shock at his greatness and his hugeness and his power and his might. And I want that to fuel your prayers to worship Jesus and beg for him to be known. I want you to pray, hallowed be his name. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And give us a moment to respond. So I already know it's been a lot. But we can't move on without saying, God, what did you say to us today? Listen, I, if God's working in your heart, I want you to know these altars are open. You can come and pray if you want to have time worshiping him. If he convicted you of sin, you can do that. You need to speak to someone. Our pastors and decision counselors will be down front starting now and throughout this entire time as we sing. So if there's any business you need to do with God, we'd love to talk. But listen, do, do you see God as holy? 
Do you see him as father? Listen, if, if he's felt weak or if he's felt distant, can I just tell you he's not? And right there in your seat, would you just say, God, I, I believe you're big and I believe you're father. And would you just repent of believing any less and just worship him there in your seat? Maybe for some of you, the, the thing that happened wasn't that you realized you had a poor view of God. Maybe the thing that happened is you realize, man, I've been engaged in religion, but I have not met that God. Listen, the thing that some of us in this room might need here today is, is not more prayer. You may need to enter into a relationship for the first time ever with God. So here's what he said. He said, yeah, you're distant. I'm holy. You're separate from me. You're wrapped up in sin. But God sent his son to die on a cross so that he could clean us and make us sons and daughters and bring us close. Listen, he said, I don't need you to perform or do good works or be religious. All I ask for you to do is place your trust in me as your savior and ask me to save you. And if you will do that, he promises he'll enter a relationship, he'll clean, he'll bring you close. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that right there in your seat. Just ask him to save you and ask him to forgive you. And he promises he will. Again, if you need to speak to someone, we'll be down front. For, the, for others of you, you just saw God as holy. And maybe the only response you have is just simply worship. Whatever he said to you, I pray you would obey. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, it's a privilege to come to you. God, I pray you would give us eyes to see how holy and strong you are. God, I pray you'd give us hearts that would rejoice that you're loving and patient and kind. God, I pray you'd make us a people that want your name to be hallowed. I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen.